Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis 15 today for our study. And a happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there. Chapter 15 of Genesis, uh, probably one of the most important passages in all of Scripture, laying down the foundation for our faith. Genesis 15, as Moses continues the account of Abram in verse 1. And After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, and the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, have you ever doubted God? I know I have. We doubt him all kinds of ways, don't we? We wonder if what he said is really true. We wonder if he knows what we're really going through. Even in our service to him, we wonder if he notices uh, the huge 
sacrifices that we're making for him. When in reality, we really haven't sacrificed very much at all compared to what he has sacrificed for us. A gentleman by the name of George Mueller lived from 1805 to 1898. He was a Christian missionary evangelist and a coordinator of orphanages in Bristol, England. Through his faith and prayers and without asking for money, he never asked for money for his mission. He had the privilege over the years of caring for over 120,000 orphans, children. He also traveled over 200,000 miles by ship to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in 42 countries and to challenge believers about world missions and trusting God. In his journals, Mueller recorded miracle after miracle of God's provision and answered prayer. One particular morning, all the plates and cups and bowls on the table at the orphanage were empty. There was no food in the pantry and no money to buy food. The children were standing waiting for their morning meal when Mueller said, children, you know we must be in time for school. But what was he going to do? All that was left was for him to pray. We all wrestle with doubt and trust. We wrestle with our faith. And here George Mueller is coming to the end of it. Beloved, where there is doubt, there is skepticism, weakness, and hesitation. But as we'll see today in our study, in his presence, there is truth, comfort, protection, and reward. By God's grace, we are enlightened by his very word, justified by our faith, and saved through his sacrifice for us. We have all the evidence we need to simply believe God and to take him at his word. In our series, we've gone back to the beginning, into the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 15 today, and in Genesis 3.15, God had promised a seed, a child, a Messiah, the Christos. A child was promised that would come and destroy evil once and for all. And so far, there have been several attacks on this seed line of Christ that we see here throughout Genesis. Cain, of course, kills Abel, not knowing that the seed line really went through Seth. And then there was an intermarriage between the satanic line of Cain over against the godly line of Seth that brought about the great deluge or Noah's flood and, and followed by the Tower of Babel incident. And now we see that the sea line is in jeopardy again in our account as Abram and Sarah are getting older and older and there's still no child. And now here in Genesis 15, we see Abram wrestling with his own doubts about God's provision as we all do. And it's clear that Abram is anxious about the proximity of God's promises. God, when will you come through? God, when will you make the difference? I, I trust you, God, but I don't know if I can wait much longer. We need to remember that in Scripture it is seen as okay to ask God hard questions, but be aware he will answer, and he'll answer in his own terms. In an incredible move in our passage today, it is God who now swears to Abram that he indeed will keep his promise to Abram. God promises to preserve Abram and Sarai for his purposes. God reminds Abram of his overall promise to all of humanity through Abram. And then God himself swears in his commitment to Abram to fulfill all that he had promised in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 9. The promise of descendants 
children. They'll be there. The promise of a relationship of blessing that Abram and his descendants would be a blessing to all peoples of the earth. And thirdly, the promise of land, the land that I will show you, God says. The reality is that all of us wrestle with doubt from time to time. But today we'll see five spiritual principles that will help us believe all that God has said. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we turn to this incredible passage, help us to not miss anything that you might have for us today in overcoming our doubts and our fears. Lord, help us to learn what it means to believe, to trust you, to have faith. So Lord, thank you for this text. Be your guide. Teach us, we ask. Supply what we are lacking that we might trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we could study. I pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth of five. God will bless those who are his. If you belong to him, he'll bless you. The question is, will you trust him in that? God will bless those who are his. First of all here, he will bless us with his word. In verse 1, that's what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. After these things, it says. Well, after what things, we ask? After Abram had rescued Lot in chapter 14, as we studied two weeks ago. After Abram chose the blessings of God through Melchizedek instead of the supposed blessings from the king of Sodom. It says that the word of the Lord came to Abram. The word of the Lord. And that the word of God came to Abram. Abram is truly a prophet of God here. And he comes with this word to Abram in a vision. And God has revealed himself to us in many ways historically through visions, dreams, prophets, preachers, and teachers. By the way, all of creation screams who God is. And of course, we have his very word to us, the Bible. He communicates with us if we'd only listen, if we'd only believe Beloved, God has given you his written word. And not only that, he has given us his living word through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's ultimate revelation of his word to us. In John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. But not only has God revealed to us all that he has through his word, Jesus is God's ultimate revelation of himself to us. Where Jesus himself says, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. What an incredible statement. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, he says. Beloved, he will bless us with his word. If we'll only turn to it, if we'll only look to him and to what he has said. But secondly, he will dispel our fear. I don't know what you're going through today, but he will dispel our fear if you belong to him. God will bless those who are his. God says to Abram, fear not, Abram. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're afraid of today. All of us fear things. The psalmist writes in Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I don't need to be afraid. I've got God. That's sufficient. That's enough. 1 John 4, 18, John writes, There's no fear in love. Why? 
But perfect love casts out fear. If we understood how much he loved us, we wouldn't be afraid of anything. We could simply trust him and rest in him. What are you afraid of this morning? Fear not. On this Father Day, you are loved perfectly and completely by your Heavenly Father. There's no need for you to be afraid about anything. And that's my prayer for you all today. I pray that you're able to take comfort in these words. He will dispel our fear. But thirdly, he'll protect us. God goes on to say to Abram, I'm your shield. God continues here, I'm your shield, I'm your protection. Psalm 18.2 says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, and in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Sometimes in life it just seems like, man, everything's coming at us. He's our shield. He's our protector. And oftentimes we think of how difficult things are for us and we forget that things really could be much worse. In other words, what is he already protecting you from? What's he protecting you from right now? It says, You're the horn of, I'll be the horn of your salvation. I always think of like uh, the Lord of the Rings, you know, and uh, blow the horn and man, people would come to help. That's who God is to us. He's our horn, our stronghold. It's like the castle's keep, right? Safest place. That's who God is for us. He's here with you even right now. If you put your faith and trust in him, he will protect us. He will dispel our fears. He will bless us with his word. But fourthly here, he will be our reward. God says to Abram, your reward shall be great. It'll be very great. Here God promises Abram great reward, but we know that the ultimate reward for us isn't some tangible physical thing. The ultimate reward is God himself. Numbers 18, 20, and the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land. He says to the priestly line, neither shall you have any portion among them. I'm your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. Uh, I'm all you're going to need. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's enough. He will be our reward. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Notice the emphasis on faith here. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead in order that I may gain Christ. He's my portion. He's all I need. He's all that you need. He will be our reward. He will protect us. He'll dispel our fear. He will bless us with his word. God will bless us. Those who are his. Are you his this morning? He wants to bless you. Will you turn to him? Will you trust him? Secondly today, even when we are blessed, sometimes we still doubt God, right? Many of us in this room, we're very blessed, but sometimes we wrestle. Sometimes we're like, I don't know. When are you going to come through here? 
Sometimes we doubt God's intentions. That's what it says in verse 2. But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? We ask similar, similar questions, don't we? What are you doing, God? And well, I don't get it. You say this, but then that happens. Do you even really love me? Do you really even care? Here we are questioning God's integrity, integrity in relation to his promises. What are you intending to do with me in this circumstance, God? I don't understand. And that's what Abram's asking. What will you give me? When, when are you going to come through? I, I don't have a child here. This isn't working out. Have you noticed my age, he says. But secondly, as we doubt God's intentions, sometimes we doubt his ability. He goes on, for I continue childless. That's the problem. I don't have a child. I don't have an heir. And the heir of my house is this Eleazar guy from Damascus. That doesn't cut it. I'm wrestling, God. You made promises. And the promises come to me. You made it in chapter 12, and it's not happening. Here, Abram basically asks God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to bring it about? And we doubt God's ability, and Abram's wrestling with it, isn't he? We all have these questions. God, how are you going to change my circumstance? How can you provide a career for me? When will I get the promotion? When will you ever heal me? How can you reconcile my marriage? How can you protect my children? When will my son or daughter ever love me again? How will, we, how will I be able to provide for my family if I follow after you? Oh, that was my question years ago. 20-some years ago, I came face-to-face -face with that one. God was calling Kathy and I into full-time ministry, and I, I knew that's what was happening, but man, I was having a hard time. I was wrestling with it. I'm like, God, you know, okay, if I follow you in the ministry, I've got a pretty good career right now, making a lot of money. This is going pretty good, but if, if I follow you, how am I going to you know, pay for dental work for my kids? If I go into full-time ministry, how am I going to provide college for my kids? You know, I'm not seeing it. I don't see how you do this until I realize I had the wrong pronoun. You ever have the wrong pronoun? I kept saying, how am I? How am I? That wasn't the question. How are you? How are you going to do this? That's the, because you're going to have to do it. Never forget, we were at one church, we're serving, and, and uh, at the end of the service, a guy comes up to me, and he was a dentist down in Vicksburg. He comes up and he says, uh, hey, I just want you to know as long as you guys are here, we'll, we'll take care of all the dental work for your whole family. What was the thing I was asking you about? I'm like, really? You're kidding me. Praise God. He has ways of making things happen that we can't imagine how we can do it if we just trust him. I came to that place where I finally said, okay, Lord, I'm going to have to trust you with all of this. And you made all the difference. Even when we are blessed, sometimes we still doubt God. We doubt God's intentions. We doubt God's ability. Sometimes we doubt his timing, right? Thirdly here, and Abraham said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. I don't think this is going to work. The timing's off. When will you do this? If you don't do something soon, I'm going to have to give everything to a mere steward of my house. You better hurry up. I'm running out of time. I can't go on anymore. I can't continue to live this way unless you intervene somehow. 
Have you ever been there? Years ago when we had started our business, we came to that point. We started the business, and uh, the first year in my business, I netted $6,000. I was making more as a school teacher. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. So I borrowed some money from the bank. So now the bank is helping me own my business. That's great. Okay, super. We stayed afloat another year. We'd go off another year. The following year, I, I netted $16,000. Oh, my. This is not going very well. And I came to the point, like, God, if you don't change something, then I'm going to go back to education. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to. And the very next year, boom, the ship came in. I remember we were so desperate at one point where, you know, I just paid my staff people more money than I was going to take home, and I owned the business. That makes no sense. I remember Kathy and I, we were in tears one night, wondering, God, you know, we're in trouble. How are we going to do this? We were crying out to him, Lord, if you need to move, you need to help. And we cried out to him. We trusted him. He tried to stay faithful. Very next day, it was an anniversary card from our parents. It showed up at $50, and it was like we'd won the lottery. We were loaded. We could go buy some more bologna. It's going to be great. Right? And 25-cent bread somewhere. Oh, we doubt his timing. Even when we're so blessed, sometimes we wrestle with God in the depths of our spirit. Sometimes we doubt his intentions. We doubt his ability. We doubt his timing. But thirdly here, don't miss this, God's word, his very word to us, has the power to remove all of our doubts. First of all here, this can only occur to the degree that we seek his word, if we're willing to listen to what he has to say. So God's word has the power to remove all of our doubt as we seek his word. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, it says, all of our answers can be found in what God has to say. They're all in the book. Are you seeking his answers? Are you seeking what he has to say to you by way of his word to you? It's all right here. But not only that, God's word has the power to remove all of our doubt as we hold on to his promises. What has God said in the past? And God says to Abram, this man you're talking about shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. That's what's going to happen. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he, sent us, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, clearly this is hyperbole, right? There are a lot of stars out there. The bottom line is you will most definitely have descendants so many you're not going to be able to count them all. To this day, by way of the, the Jewish people on the planet, there's over 15 million. And then there's probably another 24 million who claim Jewish ancestry in some way. That's a lot. If you add the Arab descendants through Ishmael and Esau, it's several hundred million people. And you go, oh my. Did God come through? Yes, he did. God can handle it. He's totally worthy of removing all of our doubt as we seek his word, as we hold on to his promises. But thirdly here, as we believe all that he has said, in verse 6, we have this incredible pronouncement. 
where it says of Abram, and he believed the Lord. He believed him. He took it by faith. And the question I have for you today in terms of all that's in here is do you believe him? Will you believe him? Do you really believe God in what he has said? God hasn't promised you a career, but he has promised you his provision. He hasn't promised you a spouse, but he has promised you his presence. God hasn't promised you that there would be no conflict, but he has promised you his peace in the midst of conflict. God hasn't promised you perfect health, but he has promised you eternity with him. Will you believe with what he says? Will you trust him? It says simply, and he believed the Lord. Now notice what God does with that in verse 4. I'm sorry, in point 4, verse 6. Fourth point here today. We are justified before God through our belief. That's what it says. Verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he, that is God, counted it to him, that's Abram, as righteousness. Don't miss that. You mean through my believing God, taking him at his word, trusting him, that's going to be accounted to me as righteousness? Yes. That's what it says. This is amazing. This is the first mention of being justified by faith in all the Bible. And he counted it to him as righteousness, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. I made a promise. It's going to happen Count on it. And therefore, because of your belief, boom, you're righteous, sir. Paul reminds us in Romans 4, 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. The same thing we just read in Genesis. Now to the one who works, Paul goes on, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Paul goes on to say in Romans 3.28, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Notice how in this case, as God says, Boom, you are righteous, Abram. Had he done anything yet? Had Abram done anything? Had he been circumcised? Had he... No, he had done nothing. He believed God. God says, you're righteous. And that comes to us now in the personal Lord Jesus Christ who says, believe in me and you will ever live. Do you believe him? To believe him is to be, boom, claimed righteous. John 3.14, as Moses, this is Jesus speaking, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Beloved, we need to believe God. We need to take him at his word. We need to place our faith in Christ who is the essence of the ultimate promised seed that God's promise to Abram refers to in this very passage. The seed line, that's what we've been following. It was promised in Genesis 3.15, a child will come into the world through the woman and destroy evil once and for all. That culminates in Christ. Abram believed in that at this point, that there was a coming redeemer coming through his line. But where's the boy, God? 
Where is he? And God says, it's going to happen. You're going to have more descendants than the number of the stars. Count on it. And Abram believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Even right now, if you believe in Christ, you are deemed righteous by God Almighty. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Beloved, we need to believe him. Fifthly and lastly, don't miss this, because this is going to get incredibly amazing. This is going to be outrageous, what you're going to hear and see in just a moment. Fifthly here, we can believe God. Why? Because he has demonstrated his commitment to us in no uncertain terms. You're not sure? I'm not sure if he's really committed to me. Oh, yes, he is. In verse 8, it says, But he, that is Abram, said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? We go, well, wait a minute. I thought you said he believed him. And I was like, well, how can I know? And God says, oh, okay. Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. I'm like, why is that verse even there? Except for to describe the reality of what's taking place, that there's now a bloody mess in front of us. We've got all these animals all chopped up. And, you know, here's all the birds coming down to have dinner. And they was like, hey, 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 get out of here. What? I'm cutting a deal with God right now. You're in the way. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs. Now, I, I'm trying, I want to try to illustrate what's going on here. Kent, I need to have you. I need to have you right up here, pal. So, so here's Kent. And let's say Kent has you know, an automobile and he wants to sell his automobile. And he's got it out in front of his house with a sign on it, you know, it says for sale. I come by, I go, this is a great looking car, Kent. And the price seems just right. I'm going to buy your car. I'm glad to hear that. No, really, I'm going to buy your car. This was, sure. not, this was not staged, okay? He doesn't know what's going on. No, really, I'm going to buy your car. Show me the money. Well, I mean, you, you believe me, don't you? Oh, yeah. You believe me? Yeah, I believe you. No, so I'm buying the car then. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> what, what do you mean, do it? What? Let's cut a deal. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, okay, well, tell you what, here, you know, here's a down payment, right? Oh, I'll keep that. <laughs> so, what's going on here? He believe, you know, you believe, right? But how can I know? This is what's remarkable, is God in this moment says, oh, let me show you how you can know. I, I want you to have a faith that's not, just a, a leap of faith. I want you to have a faith that's built on evidence and information about my commitment to you. And so go get some animals and cut this all up. Now, that'd be a messy way to buy a car, right? It'd be horrible if we all did that. But you know what we do? We do something similar. We, we have a document, right? And we have a pen that has fluid in it. And we cut the document with the fluid. It used to be there were be blood covenants, blood agreements, you know, strike 
and shake on it, right? And we make a commitment. I cut the paper with this, and now we have an agreement. And here's your down payment. I'll be back to buy it. Thanks, Ken. Wasn't he great? You guys understand how remarkable this is. God goes on record with humanity in this moment, and he cuts a deal. To such a degree, in verse 13, he says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain. I know you believe me, but now I want you to know with certainty. Know for certain that your offspring, there it is, your seed, in the, in the Hebrew, the actual word there is Sarah, it's seed, your seed line, which is the same word that's used in Genesis 3.15 where God promised to Adam and Eve that there's going to be a seed that comes. And now God says the same thing. Know for certain that your offspring, your seed, will be sojourners. In verse 18, he says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant. And the word covenant in Hebrew is the word barith. And what it literally means is a cutting. God made a cutting with humanity. The animals are cut asunder, and God passes between the pieces, basically saying, if I don't follow through with what I've promised and what I've committed to here, may I be torn asunder as these animals are. That's how committed I am to this. He, cuts a, he literally cuts a deal with humanity for their own sake and ultimately for his own glory. It's remarkable. The phrase, know for certain. Beautiful phrase. Acts 2, in the first sermon from Peter in the streets of Jerusalem, he says, brothers, this won't be on the screen, but listen close. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set out one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see, the, see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all, all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This will be on the screen. Listen to what he says in conclusion. Let all the house of Israel therefore... Know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This cutting comes to culmination in how Jesus' own body was cut asunder on our behalf, the second covenant, the new covenant in his blood. The new covenant in Christ's blood who is cut asunder for our sins. God in the flesh has laid down his life for us so that we can live through faith in him. He has demonstrated his commitment to us in no uncertain terms in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So the orphanage was out of food, and all he could do was pray, this George Mueller, this missionary, who had never asked for anything. He just trusted God. Then lifting up his hands, he prayed in front of all the orphans, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. There's nothing on the table. However, there was a knock at the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Mueller, I, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast, and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and, and have brought it. Mr. Mueller thanked the baker, and no sooner had he left when there was a second knock at the door, and it was the milkman. And he announced, well, my milk cart just broke down right in front of your orphanage, and he'd have to give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon so he could repair it. God has ways of meeting our needs. The question is, will we trust him? Will we take him at his word? Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And I ask you, do you believe God? Do you need to give your doubt to Christ today? Where are you seeking your answers? God has gone on record with you in no uncertain terms. What do you need to commit to him today? Beloved, where there is doubt, there is skepticism, weakness, and hesitation but in his presence there is truth, comfort, protection, and reward. By God's grace, we are justified before God through our belief. We can believe God because he has demonstrated his commitment to us in no uncertain terms. Would you please stand as we close our service today? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we stand amazed in this uh, fantastic passage. Where it simply says, and Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So, Lord, may we be found in the same, same way, same circumstance, <laughs> believing on Christ, believing you, trusting you for all that you've done for us paying for all of our sin that we might be redeemed, that we might be forgiven, washed clean, your word says, reconciled to you, that we might find a new life in Christ through faith. Lord, only you can bring that about by your sheer grace toward us. So Lord, may we be found faithful. Lord, help us when we doubt when we wrestle with our circumstances, may we turn to you in faith, believing all that you said by way of your promises, knowing that you have the ability, you have the capability of changing everything if we just trust you and wait on you for your good pleasure. Lord, thank you for Christ. Lord, if there's someone here wrestling with doubt or fear, we've talked about today, Lord, my prayer even right now, they'd turn to you and say, Lord, I believe. I trust you with my circumstance. I trust you with my life. I'm yours. And Lord, may we be then found faithful, walking with you, trusting you at every step, come what may. Thank you, Lord, for making such an incredible commitment, not only all those years ago to Abram, but ultimately in Christ, as you sent your son 
to die in our place where we should have died for all of our sins. You've been so gracious, so good to us. Lord, may we walk in those truths by faith. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name today. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.